traditional tabletop and live-action role-playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to our Patreons for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thin Bloods. Grab a drink in your favorite set of dice and let the darkness consume you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Gehenna Gaming interview. Joining Rick and myself tonight is Nathan Seaver, host of 2D10, a new podcast from Utility... That Utility Muffin Labs. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Nathan is a longtime member of the Vampire the Masquerade community as the former host of 25 Years of VTM and a longtime podcaster and gamer himself. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, Nathan. It's a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. I know that uh, Rick has been excited to get you on as a longtime listener of your podcasts, and I am a little bit more recent listener, but I appreciate um, everything you've been doing. Uh, I think... It's always good to chat with folks with kind of more um, honest opinions about the the games that they're talking about, and also um, fantastic taste in music, might I add. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> and movies uh, based on the uh, the other podcast you do with your significant other, uh, playing hooky, which yeah. you guys can also check out on Utility Muffin Labs. Yep. Uh, yeah, we we do uh, we we do all kinds of weird reviews. Um, you know, I I've been watching B movies and horror movies since I was a little kid, and anytime I have the opportunity to kind of share those like terribly good movies or you know whatever you want to call them, um, I love to do it. Yeah, that that whole podcast, um, it's kind of an interesting concept. I think you know she brings something to to the table that like she's loved since she was a kid or whatever. Something that's like really important to her from the pop culture um and then i bring something and we kind of expose each other to that and see what happens so yeah it's I, it's very cool and it's fun to listen to you know because obviously you guys both care about the, the thing you're introducing not only to each other but to your audience yeah and she's got great taste and stuff too i mean it's funny because <laughs> there's some things on there that i'm like oh yeah clearly i've i've seen that like a dozen times and it's like i've never seen that before <laughs> it's like, how have you not seen that? And you, but then again, you get the next episode and it's the same thing where you're doing that to her. So yep. it's yeah. delightful. Check it out. Uh, you guys obviously have a good uh, radio chemistry and it's just an all around good show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we have like 12 people that listen, but they listen regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Me 12 times. <laughs> it's, it's Rick just downloading it on different services. Yeah. <laughs> just doing my part. <laughs> awesome. So tonight, uh, specifically, we have you on to talk about tabletop role-playing games um i'm gonna start with our favorite question that we ask everyone we bring on how did you originally get into tabletop gaming um yeah so uh i grew up in a really i don't want to say like a really small town like i didn't live out in the country but like I, i grew up in the chicago suburbs and i grew up in a smaller town in the chicago suburbs and there was kind of a like a small group of people that like ranged from ages 12 to like ages 25. And in retrospect, I don't know that it was the the greatest, you know, age category there, but um, you know, there was like 10 or 12 people that were into tabletop games. And um, you know, I just, 
met a few kids. We, we kind of like the dorks, you know, like for lack of a better way to put it, it was kind of like the more marginalized kids, you know, the, the ones that were a little too smart or a little too nerdy or whatever. And so there was this group that they would play at the library, at the public library. And, um, you know, I'd go there and I didn't really know what they were doing and I would kind of see them playing and, you know, just be hanging out in the fringes. And I, I you know, I was like, what, what are they doing? Like, you know, they got all these books out, all these dice. And uh, so I just kind of sat in and listened and, over time, it just like turned into suddenly I was playing. So like, you know, 12, 13 years old, you know, I just kind of like fell into playing these games. And, you know, I played with some of the other kids that played, you know, around um, in, in junior high school and high school. And yeah, I just kind of like fell into it and yeah, started playing Dungeons and Dragons. I think that's probably the the big one that most people start with and that uh, in fact it was advanced dungeons and dragons so i, I jumped right into the yep. advanced version i didn't i didn't know the difference <laughs> that's uh, that's the uh, similar story for me jumped right into ad and d 2.0 it's interesting um we've had this conversation with a lot of different people and it seems like in the united states uh, most people come in with either D D or uh, world of darkness Whereas in the UK, a lot of their first introduction, especially to fantasy, is Warhammer Fantasy RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I was talking to the uh, the guys over at Darker Days about that. Yeah. Well, I feel like Games Workshop is a, just a huge, massive entity. And I know it's... Um, like I, I knew about Warhammer before I knew what Warhammer was mm-hmm. because they have a very distinct art style, you know, especially back then, like all their art looked like, you know, all the bolt thrower albums are like Warhammer, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, so, and so you, you kind of like, you know, that art style and I, I knew it, but I didn't know what the game was because uh, yeah. it was a bit unaccessible for me because it was like going out and buying a product. Yep. I think that the big draw to tabletop role-playing games, for me at least, um, not having a lot of resources as a younger kid, was just that I could go and sit down with my friends who had the books, and I didn't have to buy anything. Right, and definitely. so it wasn't it wasn't like an expensive hobby. It was just something I could go and do mm-hmm. that my parents were like, what's he doing? <laughs> Looks like math. <laughs> Keep buying him books. <laughs> <laughs> it is math if it's AD&D. Right. Um, yeah, I mean... The the entry level to tabletop games is so low. You need a pen or a pencil, yeah. piece of paper, maybe dice. Mm-hmm. Usually an imagination. Yeah, it, that's very helpful, yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate it when people have one. Um, so obviously, we know you best from your podcast about vampire. When did you yeah. uh, first get introduced to Vampire the Masquerade in the World of Darkness? Then. Yeah. Um, so a couple of years after I had started playing tabletop role-playing games, um, mostly D&D of all different shapes and sizes, and I didn't really know what was what, uh, the the sort of like tabletop role-playing game dealer in my community, you know, the one who had all the games and kind of like lured you in, uh, you know, he had this this green book. And, you know, I've always been into horror movies, obviously, you know, mentioning that earlier. And I've been into heavy metal bands and, you know, I like dark things and that's just kind of always been my style. And he's like, oh, I got this game and maybe, you know, you'd be interested in it. It's about vampires. And so he hands me this green book 
and it's got a rose on it. And I'm like, oh, vampires are cool. And so I took it home and just like the artwork in it, you know, and this was the second edition um, core book and just the artwork in it was like, it spoke my language more than any other game that I had ever played. Um, you know, I, I always liked playing fantasy games, but they never really like spoke to me. They were just kind of like, okay, this is fun. But I knew it was kind of just not really my tempo, but I continue to play. I get this green book. I see this artwork. I start reading it and I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, it just spoke to me in that way. And um, so we played a few games and I didn't really understand any of it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, um, you know, after a while, uh, you know, I, I knew just enough to be dangerous. I knew enough to kind of understand the terms, but I, I just put it down. It wasn't my book. That was about the end of it. And about two years later, I was about 16 years old. I went and I, I was working a summer job at like a corporate park, um, like a corporate uh, amusement park. Like they have a little roller coaster. They got some bumper cars and there were all these kids, these like industrial, like rivet head type kids that worked there. And, you know, I was kind of like the metal guy and didn't quite like fit in, didn't know anybody. But one, uh, one day after work, I see them all like huddled around in this little alcove and they're all playing rock, paper, scissors. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you take an ag and you take a, you know, this and you take a, you go to Torpor. And I'm like, why do I know those terms? Like that. Those terms make sense to me. So I just went up and I asked him, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like every time I see you, you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you're like fighting each other. I don't know. Nerd. Yeah. But, but like, so, I, you know, these aren't like the same kids I played D and D with, right? Like they're yeah. definitely not the same. They are, but they're not, but know? they're a little different. Right. 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 They're, they're, they're dressed differently. They're a little bit more like edgy, I guess would be the term. And so they told me, oh, we're playing this vampire game. You'd probably never heard of it. And I'm like, well, like Vampire the Masquerade? Yeah. <laughs> and so then I started LARPing. And that's, that, that's <laughs> rest is history, basically. Nice. Nice. I was actually uh, coming up on one of our next questions. So we know you've played both tabletop and LARP. Mm -hmm. what, is the, what is the favorite character that you've played? And is that character the same for both tabletop and LARP? Or did you mix it up? You know, it's really hard to answer this question and it's going to be the same if you're like, Hey, what's your favorite band? Because <laughs> yep. you know, Top three. there, Top there have 15? been, <laughs> right. There, there have been, you know, a few characters that I really enjoyed, but um, I, I like to think of them like characters in a story, right? You don't necessarily have a favorite character. You just like the overall story. Um, and most of my characters don't live. It's just, a, it's an unfortunate aspect. Yeah, you play Sabat quite a bit. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of them have a very short shelf life. Um, one of the, one of my favorite characters that I ever played was a uh, Samedi. played him for, I don't know, like about a year and a half in a LARP. And I played just this very cold, calculating, unfeeling, emotionless kind of like doctor, the scientist, and was a very terrible, terrifying character, but one that I enjoyed the most. You know, I, I would get into full costume for it and wear the makeup. Um, and that was my that was my LARP character that, uh, you know, I played for a really long time. That character met a terrible demise at the hand of Hunters, and that was the end of that story. And I, I think my favorite tabletop character is probably a much more recent one. Uh, I played this Tremere, like his... 
he he basically took over somebody's identity, like the talented Mr. Ripley, and ended up getting embraced because the Tremere that embraced him thought he was this other guy that he had been pursuing. And so he's basically a Tremere con artist. And then um, he gets found out and he basically gets sent away to do kind of like crap detail for the clan. But he's an expert lawyer. He was in like, he, basically he, he's, he's, he has all this legal proficiency, but has nearly very, very specific thaumaturgical knowledge, but most of his knowledge is just like the law. And so that was my favorite character. Um, Sounds really cool. Kind of a, kind of a prickish character, but, but fun to play. Um, yeah. Just, just cause that's one of my more recent ones. Awesome. That resonates with me and how it's funny. I don't know if this was, this, this to me wasn't my favorite character, but <laughs> To everyone else I've played with, it definitely still is to this day their favorite. Yeah, it is. I played a Ravnos lawyer who was basically like a used car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sleazebag. Basically like Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- this character is very much like a, like a Saul Goodman, uh, nice. but for the Tremere clan. And, um, you know, kind of looked like, put himself in a position where he was... Uh, looked at as if he were like wealthy and well-to-do, but it's only because he basically took over somebody else's life and inherited all of their wealth, Uh, you know, came from like the lowest of the low and just constantly got out of trouble because he knew all the right legal loopholes. He probably didn't know what to do or how to manage (laughs) that kind of wealth that person got themselves. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Very nice. So uh, with your history at both the table and LARPing, what mm-hmm. are some of the like, standout gaming moments for you? Mm, I think uh, um, probably one of the most like standout gaming moments for me um, was just like finding out that there were a whole host of other people that still played this game, uh, this vampire, the masquerade, this world of darkness, because, um, when, when I started doing the podcast, the old one that I used to be on, uh, we didn't know that there were people on the internet that were playing, like we weren't involved in anything online. You know, we didn't play any games online. We were just like, man, we've been playing this game for like, you know, 15, 20 years, almost like, you know, we're doing this other podcast. Like, why don't we just do one about vampire and just putting that podcast out there and then getting to meet people and interact with people and fans and players and just realize that there's like this whole cavalcade of people that are all over the world that all have different interests in the game and all have their favorite clans and have their favorite werewolf tribes and favorite mage traditions. And, you know, we just didn't know any of that. We were just like, uh, we're just making a podcast because we don't know if anybody's going to listen, but we like it. And so that that for me was huge. But also the lessons it taught me as a storyteller, I think, were really great too. Because, you know, we have all these these notions that we build about the game in our head. This is the way that we play it. So this is the way it must be played. And interacting with other people and realizing that, like, you know, your way is not necessarily the only way. And there's this whole other world where you can you can kind of expand outside of your 
preconceived boundaries of the game and, you know, just different ways to have fun, different ways to enjoy the game. So that, and, um, also I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to be fair here and say that, um, going to the, uh, uh, the Sabat night, uh, the night in question in Austin, uh, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. Uh, and, and doing a blockbuster LARP, you know, for, for years I've been doing LARP and then going to something that was like way on a different level than what I've been used to and just getting the opportunity to play in that style of LARP, uh, and going to Austin, Texas, which was freaking awesome. Yep. That was just like, that's something that, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I'll never forget that. And, you know, I'll always think back of the, to that to be like, that's that's something cool I did that, you know, I'll have that memory to tell forever. Nice. Yeah. I mean, one of one of the best parts about your show, you're you're reviewing all these books, but a lot of the times, um, <laughs> it's funny because you guys would be like, Oh, a fan called in and said we took too long getting the uh getting to the actual book when we were talking about something else, right? Yeah. Um but honestly, that's that's one of the best parts of the show. Like what you were just talking about, how you two both were kind of realizing other people playing different ways. Mm-hmm. And then that was fine. That was cool. That was acceptable. Um, I think through the bulk of those episodes, that was really the, the best message out of the whole thing was, yeah. you know, there's no wrong way to play this game. Yeah. And, and um, you can learn from all these different styles. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the things that's really important for me for the podcast that I'm doing now. Um, I felt like what I really enjoyed doing was talking about like just talking about the games, just talking about like things that we enjoyed or, you know, just like shooting the shit, chewing the fat. Like, you know, these are the fun things about the game and getting those different perspectives. And, you know, like doing book reviews, it's really hard because not only do you have to like read all of the books, which in and of itself is like this major task, but then you have to like think about it objectively and how you're going to critique it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your critique isn't necessarily going to be the same for everybody. Oh, yeah. And so for me, it's just like, I want to talk more about the game and what I enjoy and less about like, hey, you should go buy this book, you know? Right. Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons we don't do book reviews. Um it doesn't help that some of my favorite books are unfortunately some of the more problematic ones. Um, I think there's like nuggets of really awesome material in those, but then it's like, um, I'll use a good example, like the wolves of the sea book. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible so book <laughs> in terms of like actual inter- like cultural lore and, you know, using Vikings in a good way. I'm also talking about clan book Bali. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> like one of my favorite you. clan books i'm not gonna go on and sing its praises though <laughs> right right because um, someday you might run for office and so your <laughs> opponent will be like he's the devil yeah it, it, i mean, it's I really mean I, that's the platform i would run on anyway you know that yeah yeah um, vote for me clan book bali yes you know? <laughs> vote bali you're on to something it's not like i don't have a bali sticker on my car anyway um i did want to <laughs> ask though so from a, a, a player and a storyteller standpoint, uh, what is your favorite book through all of the like encyclopedia of vampire? Um, so there's a couple that I go back to fairly regularly. There's one where um, 
I, honestly, most of my favorite books are are like clan books or clan associated yeah. material. Yeah, um, and uh, that might seem strange, but to some people, but I, I really enjoy the way some of these stories are written. And um, for instance, the revised edition Giovanni clan book, I really love that 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 book. I go back to that one a lot. Uh, also, the revised Asimite clan book or really you know, follower, Children book. of Akeem or whatever. Yeah. And the reason why I would always go back to the Asimites was because I always felt like people that knew that clan were in on something secret, like something oh. I didn't know. Like, oh, my God, they know the terms and they know like they know they're using this weird language that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was always like, oh, if I go back and I read it again, maybe I'll memorize it. My memory <laughs> is terrible. So. You know, a lot of those terms I don't get, but I just the stories of them. Uh, I really like a lot of the books that were put out in the revised edition era, but also there's a lot of terrible ones that were put out that during that time. So there are, there are. I mean, it's, it's um, hard. Yeah, it's hard to say. I also am a big fan of the um, the uh, the Black Hand book, um, not the Dirty Secrets of the Black. The Tamara. The swords of the Sword of Cain. Sword of Cain. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, the, the clan books and the tribe books, they're, they're really cool. And I think they're a pretty big accomplishment from a writing standpoint, because each of them, it's weird. If you think about it, especially looking into other games now that I, I've never been into, right? Mm -hmm. You read like the D&D &D book and you get like bits and pieces about these different classes um, throughout lots of different systems. And the World of Darkness like takes some of those classes or concepts and they create like this entire culture around it. Like you were talking about with the Asimites. So many different terms, they give them like a rich history set in our own timeline. Mm -hmm. It's it's really fascinating. Someone who's like a huge diehard fan of one of these. I mean, think about it. All you really have is a, a first edition clan book, which a lot of it was, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And then you've got like revised in Lore of the Clans. There's not a whole lot of like reading on these specific clans in general for yeah. all 12 but they're so rich for how little 13. we actually have 13 <laughs> well yeah <laughs> I'm uh, least favorite clan book since you asked uh probably the first edition venture clan book it is i i cannot stand it you know they're, what's funny they're... though how good of a job they did with the revised venture. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and so i think it, juxtaposing the two absolutely i would agree with you yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, the secret masters and yeah, you know, I, a lot of people give that that first edition Malkavian clan book a lot of crap and it deserves it. But yeah. I can tell you, you know, at the time when I started playing that game and I was 17, I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. Oh, yeah. Now, in retrospect, I'm like, no, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, it's got but, some good artwork. But. Yeah, but, you know, it's fun and they try to do something different and outside of the box. But yeah, it's not it's not a great piece of material. Yeah. No. The uh, the first edition Giovanni, uh, when you guys reviewed that, and we're talking about the story at the beginning, I died laughing, dude. Well, it's like so the funny because it, it's such a bizarre opening. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just like a oh, matter of fact, this is happening in yeah, front of our entire family. You know, yeah. Yep. Yep. Changing gears dramatically, a little bit. I want to talk about two topics near and dear to the global you know, situation right now. Um, as someone who's been a longtime podcaster, how has you know, the pandemic changed how you approach your podcasting? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I, <laughs> I know the answer to this. I just don't know how to start the answer to this. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So the podcast that I have now wouldn't exist if it weren't for the pandemic in a sort of six degrees of separation sort of way. So it has dramatically changed my podcasting because I'm now on a new one. I'm no longer uh, a part of an old one. And yeah, so none of that would have happened. None of that would have happened the way it happened if it weren't for the pandemic. Um, Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's changed everybody's lives pretty dramatically, um, but it's also forced me to, to go, I cannot have people present in my home to record with. And I'm not just going to do this by myself. You know, I can't get together with any of my friends to sit at a table. Um, You know, so uh, the actual play I was doing before, I can't do that now because I, there's no way I'm going to get all of those people together on a program like this. I had a hard enough time getting them to an actual table. (laughs) So, you know, that, that had to wrap and yeah, you know, moving, setting up in a whole new environment, you know, where I record is different, how I record is different. You know, I've had to think outside of the box. I've had to adapt to a more video centric uh, form of podcasting. And I think that that's a good thing. I think, um, it's a terrible situation that has resulted in me having to be more, um, adaptable and more flexible so that I could continue doing what I was doing before. Absolutely. I think, um, we've definitely, obviously talked about this a lot in the past. We had to completely 180 our business plan for the year because of yeah. yeah. Um and it's worked out. It's you know, but um for us we had already been doing the you know Twitch and playing online and some of that stuff. What um same question but regarding your gaming. Obviously you had mm-hmm. to uh end the actual play you were doing, but were you doing much online gaming prior to the pandemic? Well, uh, I was, but that's because of my previous association. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm completely severed from that, that old podcast. And so I was storytelling a lot, um, before that whole thing severed. Um, and so that completely stopped. So I really haven't story told at all since that you know that change occurred um because i was doing it for uh patreon that i'm no longer a part of so you know i don't i don't currently have one with my 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 new podcast and um you know eventually i'll have one and and maybe that will be something that i offer but you know my my perspective on on storytelling is a little bit different than you know so some of the uh opinions that were held by my previous partnership and so, yeah, I haven't story told at all. And the game that I was involved in in my old location was a LARP. And so that had to change. So now we're doing that online through Discord. And so that's a lot of people that are all over the place, you know, meeting up once a month or twice a month or whatever online. So that changed. Um, I was playing some Mutants and Masterminds in my old location. And that basically came to a wrap because 
we can't meet up in person. Um, right. And, you know, it's harder to get people to commit to playing online. And, but also it's opened up new doors where I'm playing with people that I wasn't playing with before. Right. Um, because now the only way we have to access each other is online. So I'm playing more, I'm storytelling less, but I'm just not playing at home, you know, yeah. at the table. Yeah. It's nice to be able to uh, diversify the groups you're playing with too, which this has helped with. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, can I ask you a quick question about how the LARP has what, transitioned? That's what with, I was going to ask. The, the Discord? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here's another first, because I was mentioning that um, I had never done a Zoom call before and I had never been in a live podcast before. Uh, I also, until like the last two weeks, had never used um, Roll20, I think is what it's called, the, yep. the platform. Yeah. And too. yeah, I, I used that to play in an L5R game. And I was like, whoa, nice. this is crazy. Like this, it's like, this is designed for gaming. Yeah, like, it's a good program. Yeah, it's yeah. like no kidding. Um, but yeah, uh, so on the Discord, basically what we do is we jump into a voice chat and we do, you know, verbalized role-playing. You know, we have a storyteller with us and usually it's done by pack or by Coterie. Um, and, you know, we go through those scenes and if people want to use video, they can use video. Cool. And you know, pictures and, you know, nice. maps, stuff like that gets put into your chat screen. And we use some apps to roll dice, um, which I know, like, even on your Discord, you guys have some dice roller uh, bots on your Discord. Yep. Same basic principle. And, uh, yeah, so we have, like, private rooms for different packs. We have, you know, private channels for Sabat versus Camarilla. And, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's transitioned well. Um, but you know, you don't get the, the benefit of like actually interacting, you know, face to face, which yeah. sucks, but you know, games, games. So right. it's, it's, it's still something yeah. it, it sounds a little bit familiar about how I was doing an online game. I started one for free five uh, mm -hmm. locally and then literally at session two, we had everything happen. Right. Yeah. So I think I ran like another 10, 15 sessions via zoom or, or discord, but yeah, I mean, very similar to the LARP. Um, I could see a lot of my players on camera, but at the same time, sending things to them in chat, maps, things like that, that, that kind of helped. But yeah, yeah, it, it's not the same, but at least, like you said, gaming is gaming. Yeah, You're exactly. still being able to connect with those people. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, before we get back into our questions, I just want to remind all of our live viewers that um, – you can ask some questions yourself and we will get to them later on in the interview. Just make sure you at Gehenna gaming or, uh, spend some of those channel points to highlight your, uh, question and I will see it because otherwise I may miss it. I'll, pro I'll probably see it. You'll, you, <laughs> Rick will probably see it. Um, so from stepping back a little bit, mm -hmm. one of the things that I like to talk with people about is, how they run games and how yeah. they storytell. What from your day-to-day -day life uh, do you think influences your GMing or how you play games the most? Yeah. Um, I think that everything that I interact with that I enjoy does play into how I storytell and run games. Um, you know, I, I'm this probably going to make some people mad, but I'm not a big anime fan. So 
that never really factors into how I run a game or how I play a game. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm much more like I'm into gritty things. I'm into, you know, I'm into like horror and, and body horror yep. and suspense and, you know, like, you know, the, like the girl with the dragon tattoo, like that's the kind of story that I would want to put into a game. Yeah. This is just the things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of times, you know, if I watch a TV show and I'm like, oh, that's a really cool, uh, you know, little plot line they have going on, or that's a cool way that they use suspense there, or, you know, that's a cool, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I'll try to replicate in a game while I'm storytelling, um, you know, or just like, you know, a, a, a cool song. Sometimes I'll listen to a song and it'll just seem really creepy to me, even though it's not necessarily meant to be. And I'll try to replicate the feeling that I have from that song or that oh, cool. uh, whatever. I'll try to replicate that into my, my games. And, you know, sometimes I just sit down and I'm like, I have no idea what this game is going to be. I don't know where it's going, but I'm just going to figure it out as I go. You know, yeah. so sometimes it's deliberate, but sometimes it's just like, Hey, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. I actually, I really like that. Um, you know, I, I listen to songs and sometimes I, I get a lot of NPC character creation ideas, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's pretty cool having like the feeling of that song and trying to translate that into a scene. That yeah. That's a really cool idea. I have to learn something about that. Um, about NPCs and the way that you storytell how do you approach making NPCs or do you have any that you are very fond of things like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it really just depends. Um, I'm a big fan of, of aping from pop culture. And what I mean by that is I'm not writing this material for publishing. I'm not, I'm not trying to get anything published, you know? So if I'm, if I'm sitting down with my my friends and like, you know, I watched a cool movie and I want like a facsimile of, you know, Detective Mills from Seven, I'm just going to try to portray that characteristic in my game. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm again, I'm not trying to publish this. So if I can find something in pop culture that's familiar and it's something that I want to portray, now, are my players going to pick up on that? I don't know, not necessarily, because I'm not that actor. But <laughs> if I if I work with that frame in mind, and I don't just try to be that character, but... I, I use that as like the foundation and grow from that. You know, that's kind of how I do it. Um, sometimes it'll just be as simple as giving this character a name and giving that character a simple motivation and just letting it build out from there. What I try really diligently to do as a storyteller is not make my NPCs just a sort of carbon copy of me. I don't want my players to go, oh, that's just another Nathan. Like there's 10 Nathans in here and they're all out to get me. I don't want them to get that impression. So I try to develop little ticks or little accents, you know, nothing crazy, but as you play, as you run your game, you can try to develop a little bit more, but I don't sit down and make fully fleshed out characters because the thing is with, with tabletop gaming, you never know where your players are going to go. So you could work for three hours to make this 
three-dimensional, 100% intricate character that's got all these backgrounds and, you know, the links to everything. And then your players just never go talk to that individual. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, that kills me. So I, I try to keep it simple up front, you know, maybe give them a little stats, give them basic personality and just leave them in my, my notebook. And when the players get to them, they get to them. And if they focus more, I try to, to build that character out over the course of our gameplay. And if that means ad-libbing on the fly, make a note, you know, next session, you remember that. So yeah, I think NPCs, as long as you try to keep them obviously separate from your own personality, your players are gonna appreciate them more and you won't fall into that old habit of just being like, I'm the bad guy storyteller and these are all of my avatars. Right. Yeah. If I make one that I really like and I want them to uh, come across them, sometimes mm -hmm. I'll just throw my hands up, give up, and be like, okay, that person was Giuseppe, but now they're Jack the Janitor. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just and transfer all those plot points to a different NPC. <laughs> that's right. They don't know anybody. You got to stay flexible. Um, right. I think from running games, uh, LARPing, uh, playing in games so heavily and obviously across so many different systems that we've mentioned mm -hmm. so far. What do you think is like, how do, I, how do I wear this? The the most impactful thing for you that game done? Yeah. So the, the most impactful thing that gaming has done um, for me is like freaking everything in my life. Um, no. And, and, and here's the truth of it. I mean, um, you know, for like, you know, a lot of people go, Oh, gaming, it's serious business. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they kind of like people take it too seriously and they diminish its value. Yeah. But the truth is like the majority of my long lasting friendships and relationships have been formulated through gaming. You know, my, my wife is a vampire player mm -hmm. and we met through that hobby. Yep. And, you know, so it's like, to me, gaming is serious business. Yeah. It, it is, you know, it's, it, it is something where, you know, all of my social interactions, all of my friendships, all of my, my ups and downs, you know, are only like three degrees separated from gaming. So, yeah. you know, podcasting is a big part of my life. I podcast about gaming. So like, to me, it, it is, it is a rich hobby. It's a rich it's, you know, a lifestyle and, you know, not to be like, it's more than it is, but like, it is really a lifestyle. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, a I'm, a, I'm a gamer, you know, and that's a yeah. badge that I wear with pride. Mm -hmm. It's something that I enjoy doing. Everybody I've met through gaming, you know, has left some impression in my life, you know, for good or for bad. And, you know, so yeah, I, I, I like collecting books because there's so much more than that. And, Absolutely. And from listening to like, you talk about that same subject in the past, I know, that if it weren't for gaming and, you know, I feel the same way, the stories we tell and like the effort we put into it, <laughs> we we researched so much stuff that we would have never yeah. necessarily picked up, whether it's history yeah. or statistics on a city that you're running a right. game in as a setting. I mean, for a lot of people and um, it, it can be sad. It's something that bummed me out when I was younger, uh, high school stops. And then the, they're like, I'm done learning. And it's yeah. like, 
that's really sad, dude. Like, why don't you, you're constantly learning whether you know it or not, but still pick up a buck once in a while, you know? Right, right, right. Whereas like gaming, it, if you have a real passion for it, it constantly influences you to either learn more about that product or learn yeah. more about everything in general to make that, yeah. that experience better. And um, I've always got that feeling from listening to you that that's something that really enriched your life and made you feel better about yourself because yeah. you were constantly growing and learning and, and reading about all these yeah. different things. I mean, um, for me, when, when I was in school, you know, I was not a great student. I, I just did. School wasn't the place for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't a very socially adept person and going to a, a LARP helped me to talk in front of a crowd for the first time. You know, that's not something I learned in school, yep, you know, um, having a, an argument where I'm not really angry, but I have to pretend like I'm full of rage. You know, that's, that's not something that just like, maybe it comes natural for people, but it didn't come natural to me. And, you know, the first time I went to a game and I had all these stats on a character sheet and, you know, my character, I was like, I'm going to make this, this, uh, professor. And, you know, he's an expert at, uh, ancient Greek history. And I went to a game and somebody's like, oh, you're, you're an expert at ancient Greek history. And they start engaging me in this conversation. I'm like, I don't know any of this. So I need to go home tonight and I need to at least have a cursory understanding. Yep. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. This is all before the cell phone. This is before right. I could just get on the computer and look it up. So I've got to go to the library now and I've got to research, like, I need something, I need ammo to talk. And, you know, so that's like reason to learn. You know, and, yeah. and, or I want to present a background for this character and, you know, I, I don't know where this character came from. So I need to go learn some information so I can go, right. yes, I am the elder who was powerful in ancient Rome, but like, why would that guy not know anything about Rome? You need to learn something, you know? Right. So yeah. it does promote you to learn and it, it, it makes you expand your vocabulary and makes you do math and, you know, <laughs> Gaming is a way to inadvertently learn a bunch more stuff than you necessarily would in school. It really so. is. And even playing um, a monster, as um, Jason Carl often says, like it helps you identify the monsters that actually are in our world that are manipulative, that, that do do dirtbag things. It, it teaches you how to like recognize someone lying to your face because you see that all the time <laughs> at large. You know the tells now. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have this hobby. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, here's, here's the truth of it. Um, we're not all great actors, but when you go to a LARP, you don't necessarily have to be a great actor, right? We're not all going to get the opportunity to go to the theater and to play Count Dracula, to play this manipulative evil monster who feeds on people. But for two or three hours, you get the opportunity to play that role, just like that actor that's playing him in, in a movie. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry for about sure. whether or not you're going to get an Oscar you're just trying to have fun with it. You know? So, so for me, it's like, you know, maybe I want to be an actor, but I'm not a great actor. I get to play the role here and all of my friends go, man, you did a great job. And that's it. Nobody else has to watch me on TV. You know, I don't get scrutinized. I don't have to go try out. I just make the character. I make the roles and there you go. And then I'm done. So yeah, for me, it's definitely that getting out of your own skin to explore these other roles and, you know, having fun playing these monsters, but knowing it's just a game. You're not really a monster. You're not really hurting anybody. And when your episode's over, you wrap it up and you go home. 
Yeah, or absolutely. Turn off your computer or whatever. Yeah, yeah fully agree. Whatever is working at the time. Right. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a tip though. Um the best way to be angry is to just always be angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all seriousness. Uh, but, uh, never mind. Um uh one thing that Rick mentioned this earlier, you've always um you've said that you gravitate towards the sabbat and that it's mm-hmm. a hard mode on for vampire yeah. um what do you mean by hard mode for vampire uh tell yeah. us a little bit more about that well so there's a lot of people that will disagree with it um and they'll say well oh that's just you know you, you it's excuse to be like the most horrendous evil blah 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 blah. okay cool that's a perspective you're entitled to it i'm entitled to mine um but when i say hard mode so when you sit down to play vampire the masquerade you are a vampire who's pretending to be human. Mm-hmm. turns out you're already human. And so I feel it's easier to portray the typical mentality of a human because you are one. When you play Sabbat, oftentimes you're going to be playing on an alternative um, sort of uh, frame of mind, right? You're, you're, you're getting rid of that humanity and you're playing to a path or whatever, you know, depending on the version. Um, and so for me, completely divorcing yourself from the human mentality and, you know, going on a path of enlightenment where you are now a creature of instinct. You are, you're now, you know, a creature who isn't following their conscience, but following some other, you know, way of thinking to me, that's much more difficult. And it's much more difficult for people because they just, it, like, how do you conceive of a way of thinking that is different than your own? So you really have to take the time and kind of focus in on that alternative mindset. But also, like the Sabbat, they are monsters. They are monstrous. But they believe that they are on the side of virtue. So it's like, not only do you have to play these, like, you know, by and large kind of evil vampires, but you have to play these evil vampires who feel totally justified for what they're doing and sort of have their own evidence presented as to why it's better for them to do it. So, yeah, I think Sabat is easy to play if you're just going to maraud. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, you, you watch movies like Near Dark that are a great example of like what a Sabat uh, game could be. And um, I think while I was kind of getting into V5 and um, – learning more about VTO myself. I was watching this stream around the mm-hmm. same time and everything that you've said about Sabat like now or in the past, it really resonates. Whereas like the, uh, the main guy there who is kind of like, he was in Nazi Germany. He kind of got embraced and he it was an Ike horse that totally evil uh, German guy. The entire time I'm like, that is, that is a Sabat venture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he thinks completely differently, yet he's yeah. still plugged into the world in a way that's not, you know, you can see that completely different, separated from humanity mindset that yeah. the, they're not vampires, but, you know, right. uh, away or whatever. They, uh, they just have that. They're, they're so alien in a way. Yeah. But it, 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 it's a great visual representation of what the Sabbat is and how they operate in like yeah. a newer form of media. So another really great example of like good books for Vampire the Masquerade 
uh, are anything that talk about the elders because like the elders, they too are sort of descended down that road towards inhumanity just due to age. And, you know, they start to think of the world in a very alien way and being on a path of enlightenment is completely separated from that. You just have to literally detach yourself from that, that humane way of thinking and go on to this new path. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's not that they're necessarily, they're not good. You know, let's, let's face it. They're not, they are evil, you know, objectively they're evil, but their, their ritual, their cult like existence gives them a certain justification. And yeah, it, 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 it allows you to sort of explore a completely different avenue of role play within that vampire game that, you know, just you don't get with the camera. You know, anybody can start off, you know, oh, I was embraced two weeks ago. Here's my sire. He's going to help me get acknowledged. That's that's to me, that's basic. That's kind of easy mode going into that. Like I was alive. I was a human. Now I've been ripped away from that life. I've been thrown into a hole and buried and I've had to dig my way out. And I don't, I'm just like, I have murder in my mind and I don't know why. To me, that's just a much more difficult thing to wrap your brain around and appreciate. And so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's yeah. kind of hard mode. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. I like it. I've, uh, first, it's funny. Um, I've been playing Vampire since, you know, the late 90s. I've never played a Sabat game. I find that hard to, to understand. <laughs> I do too, to a certain degree. Uh, I think it's because, I, I, you know, I, every time it, it came up, people were like, oh, well, Sabat's, you know, Sabat's just an excuse to be an asshole. And I'm like, yeah, there seems there, like there's so much depth here <laughs> that no one else sees. I want to yeah. play it. And then, right. And I, I did, but I didn't want to run it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and if you really want to get down to brass tacks, I mean, Playing Camarilla is just an excuse to be an asshole. Oh, like yeah. you have you have status that allows you to just be an asshole, right? Like you are of a lower station, a lower standing than me. Don't you're know. nothing. You're a peon. Like I can just sit here and insult you all day. And if you frenzy, that's your bad. Like to yep. me, that's licensed to be an <laughs> asshole, right? But oh, yeah. you know, in the Sabbat, like, yeah, you if you just pick up the book and go, all right, well, I'm just gonna go to town and murder everything. Well, cool, that was a fun game. What do we do now? Yeah, right. Absolutely. More to it, guys. Yeah. Uh, do you have a VTM guilty pleasure? Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure, but I kind of have like a go-to. You know, if I go to a new game and I don't know anybody, you know, or if I sit down, it doesn't, it doesn't happen as much at a table. But like, if I go to a new game, go to a new LARP, I don't know anybody. I'm just like, I'm gonna make the most annoying aggressive 753 bruja anarch just because it's the most fun like it, i'm not going to think about this too hard i'm going to be like a bravo bravo and just throw my weight around and see how long it takes for everybody to take me i don't advocate this behavior this is not good behavior <laughs> i'm the same way with but, the sedis <laughs> but this is, say this not is as I do. my guilty pleasure yeah i feel that yeah i yeah yep yeah. Nice. It's the easiest one too. I could just throw on a leather jacket and you know throw a bandana around my head or put a hat on and instant bruja. Nice. Um, Love it. I want to take a short break here just to ask uh, one or two questions that have popped up in chat. So uh, sure. 
viewers, uh, feel free to ask more as I go. But um, Mark, who says hi, by the way, <laughs> asked, uh, w- do you prefer digital or printed copies of books when you're gaming? Um, well, uh, I'd love to take you into my living room and show you my library. <laughs> uh, I absolutely hate digital books uh, because... So I don't, I never knew up until recently why this would happen. But if I try to read something on a digital screen, I'll fall asleep in like 20 minutes. So I can't, I just can't do it. So I love physical books. Uh, Every day I spend an hour, two hours sometimes just sitting down reading physical books. So I'm a big time collector. Um, I, if I had my choice and unlimited funds, I would definitely go for like original print books that, you know, were published back in the day, um, you know, especially for vampire. But if push comes to shove and you're like, well, you have a choice, you can either do the digital or you can do the print. I will wait until I have the money to buy the print copy and have that sent to my house. Yeah. yeah I, I prefer them 100%. I don't mind digital copies of books for the table because mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy five or six copies of a rule book. Um, but I will, you know, put a digital copy on my iPad, on my tablet, my laptop, whatever, so people can have access to them as well. Yep. I find them convenient for a quick reference, too. If I'm yeah. working on a project or a stream and I need to have the rules readily available, yeah. like what we're doing right now, I can have it up in a window and just pull it up. Yeah. Page, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And go. Yeah. But I can't sit and read a yeah. PDF. I can't do it. Yeah. I volunteer. I volunteered some time helping people like um, who are running games, like trying to find a rule or whatever. And I've, I've got my own cheat sheets, but you know, sometimes it's great to just hit uh, control F on the actual core of PDF and be like, Boop, cool. Yeah. Answer. That's an interesting thing too. Like um, I know that there are people, you know, like you had just said where, you know, they very much want to just be able to click the search button, type in the thing, whatever, type it on their screen and find it. I have this weird thing where like, I pick up the book and if I've read it, I kind of like have this weird book Kung Fu mm-hmm. where I, like, it's very easy for me to find it Age. where like, I can't necessarily find it on a PDF. And it's probably just an excuse. It's probably just more nonsense <laughs> to sort of validate my position, but there's probably um, something there. With, tell like, us more about this. <laughs> yeah, there's probably something there with like muscle memory of like how many, about how far into the book you need to be. Yeah. And then you're only a page yeah. or two off. Cause I've done that before. I'll be like, Oh, I opened right to what I wanted. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like yeah. that with the character creation pages. I'm just like, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Because I'm helping people make characters yeah. all the time or making NPCs. I'm very much a stuff guy. Um, I, you know, I was born in an era where you you collected things, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was CDs or toys or whatever. Yep. And, you know, obviously, you know, nowadays you kind of like, yeah, you downsize a little bit. And I've had to do that. I've had to move and get rid of stuff. And, you know, but now Absolutely. like... I, I try to have a balance. Like, what am I going to spend my money on? I'm going to spend it on things I'm going to use regularly. And if I if I am not going to play a game regularly, I probably won't buy the book. But you know, if it's a if it's if it's a World of Darkness book, I will buy it because I'm just trying to collect them all. So, you know, I I, I never played Mutants and Masterminds. I had a person who. Uh, you know, a friend of mine who was running the game, they're like, hey, come play with me. And I was like, I don't think I really want to invest 30 bucks on a core book. So I'll just buy the PDF because I'm probably not going to play this game a lot. But if it turns out I do, then I'll go buy that book because I'm going to play with it a lot. 
Yeah, at that point, you have a deeper appreciation or or love for it where it's worth that investment, right? Uh, This was asked a while ago. um, What's your favorite clan to play in a Sabbat game? My favorite clan to play in a Sabbat game? um, It depends on my mood. Uh, Oftentimes, if I get the opportunity to play Sabbat, I will try to play something that is Sabbat specific because oftentimes you don't get to play those in a normal game. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's like the Zemis or um, I really love to play the Asimite anti-tribute because they're like all the Asimite without any of the Asimite stuff. You know, it's like, I don't need to know anything. I'm just a badass. (laughs) Um, But I I definitely like to play um, those Sabbat specific clans um lasombra zemis um just because like i said you don't get to play them in a normal game typically you prefer zemis or lasombra oh i prefer zemis yeah uh i they're they're just they they play into that like body horror thing that i i really enjoy and done right i think that they can be very scary and very fun to play awesome uh, so we will ask some more viewer questions later on, but cool. uh, let's jump back into it. Um, so obviously we, we, we've talked a lot about what it's like to play Sabat and what it's like to play Vampire and what attracted you to it. What mm-hmm. are your, what are the best aspects of the human condition to or in a horror game? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I'm qualified to, to answer that. Um, you know, for me, it really comes down to like having fun with the group of people that you've, you've sort of agreed to the terms beforehand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what are the best things to explore, but I, I feel like if, if you and your friends get together and you, you agree like, Hey, this is the kind of game we're going to play. It's going to be a, you know, hard fought, you know, bloody, brutal game. Cool. That's what you've agreed upon. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that everybody has an enjoyable time. Right. Um, and whatever that means for that group, I think that is what should be, what defines your experience. But, you know, I don't know anything about human psychology. I don't know anything about like, um, the, the universal truths of, of humanity, um, I just think, you know, it's a game and you can think about all of those things as much as you want, but you don't necessarily have to, you know, just be concerned with the people you're playing with and Absolutely. make sure everybody kind of knows what they're in for. A hundred percent. That's a huge part of it's That could almost be, I think the most important part about mm-hmm. tabletop gaming is the section zero. Yeah. The, yeah. The making yeah. sure that everyone is knows what they're getting into is has consented to the type of game being played right. and is going to enjoy it because it's yeah. not we, we were just having a conversation on our discord about this the other day people being like oh yeah no i sat down in a convention game and didn't enjoy it and i was like then why did you stay in the convention game like yeah right if right. i was running we run yeah. games at conventions all the time if i was running a game at a con and someone wasn't enjoying it i would want them to tell me and go play something else like don't right, right. don't waste your time and right. I, I certainly don't want to be wasting your time if this is not the game you want to play, which is why I always present right. what like the game is going to be. Yeah. Like this is yeah. what, this is the kind of game <clears throat> that I'm going to run. If you don't want to play that, 
I encourage you to go do something you will enjoy yeah. more because that's what's important. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made as a storyteller or just as a, as a player um, early in the, you know, for the first five or six years of playing the game, playing any game really, was that, like I said earlier, I had a personal interpretation of what this game was. You know, when I hear Vampire the Masquerade, I go, oh, it's this, it's A, B, and C. And so I was just assuming because of selfishness, of lack of consideration, or just uh, not understanding that different people have different perspectives. I assumed everyone had the same idea of what that game was. Uh, yeah, I mean. And we would go into these games, storytelling them, playing them, assuming everyone knew this is what you're in for when you play a World of Darkness game. Yep. And, you know, I didn't learn until much later on that like there were people that weren't having a good time because they didn't have the same expectation. And, you know, in retrospect, you go, damn, I wish I'd have known at the time, but never asking, you'll never know. Exactly. And so, you know, now in, you know, the last five or six years, it's become very imperative for me to sit down and go, okay, do you all understand what this is? Are there things you don't want to experience in the course of this game? Yep. Are there things that are just taboo or off limits for you that right. you do not want me to bring to the table? Right. You know, when you play a World of Darkness game, you know, ah, oh, this world's a dark version of our own. People are going to get killed. People are going to experience this, you know, but you don't know what everybody's life is like. Right. You don't know what people are not comfortable with experiencing. Yeah, so, or or what they're exposed to all the time. That's not shocking yeah, anymore. To them, right. 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 And, exactly. and one of the one of the really good indicators for me was I, you know, I have a friend who was uh, a paramedic. And, you know, this guy, you know, if he encountered anybody with blood, guts, gore in real life, it didn't bother him because he had a certain experience in his life. But when it comes to fantasy, when he's exposed to blood, guts, gore in horror movies and whatever, he just can't handle it. It's too much oh. for him. You know, but that's because the real stuff he's got and he's got all he wants. You know, me, I'm the other way. You can give me blood, guts and gore in the movies all day. But if I see someone bleeding, I'm getting nauseous. You know, I'm getting freaked out. I don't want to see that because that's real. That's not right. fantasy. So, you yeah. know, it's just everybody has different experiences. And so when you sit down to play a game with people, you just want to let them know, like, hey, this is what we're going to experience. Does anybody have a problem with that? Or if you do cool. You still want to play. I want you to play. Let me go and adjust how I'm going to present this. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's so many different ways to adjust a game to still make it mm -hmm. fun for everyone and yeah. still accomplish, you know, whatever your goal was with running that game that yeah. is. And sometimes it is just saying this may not be the game for you. Why don't yeah. I recommend a different one? Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't have to be like uh, a, a savage chainsaw murder death uh, experience to be consistent with the genre of world of darkness. Exactly. You know, there, there are a thousand different ways that, you know, when you, when you talk about like right, wrong ways to me, as long as you maintain the consistency of the genre, the world of darkness, you can present that in any way you can do flashbacks, you can do cutaways, you can do, you know, uh, you can allude to things, but you don't have to necessarily viscerally present them and tell people you have to watch this you have to play this this is how the world is yeah, that's absolutely. they're they're two totally different things absolutely 
What are some of your favorite aspects about the world of darkness that set it apart from other games? Um, it is kind of like the, the, the fact that it is very similar to the real world, like, um, but it's not totally fantastic. It's like, it doesn't require a great stretch for you to imagine your world inhabited by the denizens of the world of darkness. So the fact that it is, you know, very close, you know, it's like one of my favorite movies is Die Hard. It's totally unrealistic, right? Like (laughs) there's, there's no John McClane that's going to run through Die Hard, run through the Nakatomi Plaza Mm -hmm. and kill all the terrorists, but it's not that big of a stretch, right? right? It's, it takes place in a world that's very similar to ours. Reactions are consistent with our world you know, things blow up, guns get shot, police show up. You know, these are these are kind of like we understand these sort of like very basic rules of our world. And so, you know, for me, the reason why I enjoy the world of darkness is because it's very much like our own. It's just a little bit more evil in a different way. Yep, it's right. not, you know, our world's tr- trash to begin with. <laughs> not too big of a departure these days. Right. Yeah. The world of darkness, right. The world of darkness is just trash in a different way. You, you know, me. now there is a face to the evil, whereas right. in our world, it's just, oh, God, the dumpster's on fire yeah. here. Like, at least you can see these forces at work. So that, that's why I like the world of darkness. It doesn't require a great stretch of my imagination. All games to me require like a suspension of disbelief. But I like things that take place in a modern world because I can tell stories within them. Mm-hmm and not have to work real hard for myself to dis- to suspend disbelief you know part of the reason why i've i've had difficulty with fantasy games is because i have to figure out a way to tell a story within this this completely fabricated world not just like all right we're in our world let me tweak it but like now i have to go and create a whole new world with which to tell stories in so right yeah Vampire was the first tabletop role-playing game I got into. And I, I think if it wasn't for the modern setting, mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Um, I think starting off on a fantasy game would have been too much of a departure. I think the fact that it was modern and, uh, you know, even one of the first ones I did was Dark Ages, but I still relate to that because I knew what the Dark Ages were. Right. You know, uh, you see a bunch of uh, our theory and legend stuff, you know, movies even when you're a kid like robin Hood crap um but you know running games at conventions it's weird it's a gaming convention but i had so many people who had never played a tabletop role-playing game before i don't know why they were there (laughs) they might have been board games maybe they went with their son daughter husband whatever um we had people of all different ages but the one thing that really helped a lot of first-time people was me just sitting down being like this world is just our world a little bit darker. Like yeah. the things you can do as a player, you're not limited. Yeah, You want to pick up your cell phone and call because you've just been abducted at the beginning of my story. Go for it. <laughs> you're going to get another person on the end of that phone. Right. Like in, you know, some of the player questions for people who had role played for the first time, can I just literally walk out that door and like head down the street? Yeah. Why right. not? This right. isn't, some medieval town you're not aware of and there's a monster outside yeah there's maybe a person walking their dog you don't you know 
what are you going to expect? And it got them into a comfort zone mm. a lot faster in being able to adapt and role play. Like, yeah, there's a guy upstairs. He's, you don't know it, but he's a ghoul. There's coffee going on. You smell it. It smells weird to you for the first time, you know? And it's like, it, it got them into the role-playing mindset so much faster because it was a modern game. Um, yeah. I think yeah, that helps. I, I definitely agree with you. There's a certain juxtaposition to like that, you know, the world of darkness or um, similar, similar games set in kind of a slightly different version of our world that you're familiar with it. It's what's the, uh, it's the term where something kind of looks human, but isn't, I can't remember what the the actual term is right now, but um, it's just similar enough where it's still unnerving to be in it. And you kind of latch onto that to, Right. quickly fall into that role-playing. Well, yeah, and it, it, it kind of like follows this concept, right? We've all walked down a city street late at night and passed an alley and been like, oh, I'm glad nothing's in that alley. Or, oh, man, something might be in that. Oh, God, I'm going to get out of here. You get a cold chill, you walk away, right? It's it's the horror that we live with every day, you know, when something's hiding in the shadows or maybe something's under the bed or, you know, whatever. So we've all been there. So to to tell stories within that world, within that setting, for me, maybe it's just because my imagination sucks, but for me, it's easier to, to think of stories in that context, to play games in that world, because I know, I know the laws by which our world exists. Exactly. I was just informed it's uncanny valley is the term I was trying to remember. That's the term for when something, of- it's like this, there's, it's a term in horror where something is just human enough where you can easily stake it for being human but you so like know mimic? it yeah, yeah like you creepy. know in the back of your head it's not i like um, that i didn't know that was an actual term that's yep. cool uncanny valley uh so it's where the x-men live yeah <laughs> 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 or is that the astonishing <laughs> valley or is that the um <laughs> it's different every uh, couple months <laughs> with that kind of that mindset about how you approach running games and mm-hmm. what makes the world of darkness so uh, appealing to you what uh, what advice do you have for people just getting into tabletop or just getting into gming that to kind of help them overcome anxiety or uh, nervousness about playing for the first time or running a game for the first time um yeah i don't uh as far as like advice is concerned for people who are looking to start um, just, just do it. Uh, I know that sounds like really worthless advice and I'm sorry, but <laughs> the truth, the, the truth is like, if you think of why this is going to be intimidating, you're always going to find a reason not to do it. Um, right. yep. and, and, you know, it is intimidating, but in, in the perfect world, we're all sitting at a table just to have fun. Um, so, you know, if you go out and you look at that, that world of darkness bookshelf and there's 500 books on it that's going to be a real big wall that prevents you from ever joining. And the truth is it does not matter how much time you devote to reading the books. It does not matter how much time you devote to learning the meta plot, the canon. You're never going to know as much as the next person. You know, I, I I feel like every day I still learn more stuff. That's awesome. It's an excuse for me to buy more books and read them. And I can read World of Darkness books for the rest of my life and never run out. That's just the truth. So you shouldn't let that world, all of that plot, be what prevents you from getting in. Because you don't need to know any of it. You just need to know 
what you need to know to play the game. Okay. You need one book. So, right. And, and you will, you will learn it as you play. You'll learn new things. You'll find new favorites. You'll find new this, that, and the other. And it's the same thing with any game that has a meta plot as the central focus. You know, if you do tomorrow, you go, man, I want to play Shadowrun, but like, I don't know all the stuff about what's happened in the world. Well, at the beginning of the book, they give you a summary and that's all you're going to need to know to play in the world that you're playing. And so I, I feel like strongly you shouldn't let that be the obstacle. You should view that as that's going to be the eventual eventual reward for long-term playing. You're going to learn more cool stuff. You're going to learn the intricacies. You're going to learn like, oh, man, where did gargoyles come from? Or, you know, <laughs> where did the Zemis originate? What is a Zemis? Yeah. You know, you're going to get to learn all of that stuff as you play. So find so some your players. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Exactly. So, you know, find some people. If you want to run a game, don't worry about it. The first games that you run, they're going to be wonky. They're going to be off kilter. They're going to be funky. That's okay. <laughs> That's how you learn. It's like anything else. Like, you know, I, uh, we're, we're doing this. I didn't know how to use Zoom when I sat down. <laughs> you know, I never used it. And right. now I have some better understanding. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to record a video podcast three months ago. And yeah. I learned, I learned by doing, by trying. Absolutely. So that would be my advice. If you want to play, find some people and play, you know, and if you can't find any people play a video game and when you can find some people play with them right or go to a convention, go to a convention, sit down at a game, play for the first time. That's okay. why you're there because you don't have any friends around your house. Just look for us nerds. <laughs> Just look for Gehenna Gaming. And we'll help we you. We will help. <laughs> right. No, I mean, and I, I'm assuming like um, a lot of the advice you, you pretty much say it the same with getting into podcasting, yeah. um, getting into all the different things you do. Um, you seem to just have a similar attitude about it. It's something you just go out and try. Um, you know, and it's really cool because a lot of these things like you pretty much self-educated yourself on because yeah. you wanted to do it because yeah. it's a hobby that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And you, you find uh, meaning in, you know? Yeah. Um, any, any advice that you would have that's different in the media side of things than the tabletop side of things? Um, as far as like creating media for the internet? And yeah. Podcasting, yeah. Uh, video, all that stuff. I've got tons of advice. Um, if someone tells you, Hey, you need to go out and spend $500 and you need to get all this great equipment don't. Um, you can record a podcast or a video with your phone. And yeah. I think you, if you have a passion to get something out there, just work on creating whatever it is that you're trying to make <laughs> and it's going to suck. I'm sorry, but the more you do it, the better you'll get. Yep. And then you can expand and get better equipment and, spend all of your hard-earned money on, you know, making more stuff. And hopefully at some point it brings you back reward. Um, you know, whether that is a financial reward or an emotional reward. Yeah. Personal reward, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I decided like, I wanted to make a podcast. We had, uh, my friend group had talked about it for years and years. And I'm sure all of you can identify with this. You know, you sit down on the couch and, you know, you're, you're drinking beers or you're watching something on, on YouTube or you're, you're playing Halo and you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And then they just go about their business. I did that for years. 
You know, I was like, I, I would be really cool if I could do this. And then one day I was like, why do I keep telling myself, wouldn't it be cool? Why don't I just make a podcast? You know, so, who cares if nobody listens yeah. to it? I'm just going to make it, make it for me because that's what I want to do. And hopefully someday people will, will listen to it. So that's my advice. If you, if you have an interest in doing it, just start doing it and you'll get better as you go. Solid advice. I would echo that hundred percent. I think um, to build on that too, there's a lot of people, I mean, especially now we've got uh, other great people in the community, like the Primogen and Laura by and I kind of like go over some of the, um, the meta plot side of things um, just because something out there already exists mm-hmm. um, doesn't mean that you can't also add your voice to that and give your own right. perspective on that. Right. You know, I'd love to see um, more people talk about different game systems. Right. Um, kind of like what you're doing with 2d 10. Yeah. You know, you're, you're checking out different games. You're giving your opinions on them, giving people the basics of it. I mean, 50 different people could do that. And all of those voices are going to be different. You're going to learn something different. And if you're passionate about that, you're probably going to listen and watch them all anyway. Right. Or that's what the viewership's going to do. So, you know, don't let it discourage you that that's a path that's already been tr- walked before. Right. Because it's just like any other tabletop game. Every time you sit down and play at one of these games, it's going to be a different experience. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're all unique. We have things to learn from each other. Yep. Uh, so don't let that be a gateway to stop you from sitting down and doing what any of us have done, because, you know, <laughs> you do it and you reach out, we're just going to give you the, the best word of advice to pat on the back and try and support you either way, because, you know, we just kind of all build on each other in this community. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that that's really been super important for me too, is, you know, looking at the people that are, are out there in the community and just trying to be, you know, as kind and as inviting to them as I can be, because, you know, this really comes down to my opinion is the proliferation of games that we enjoy of things that we love. Right. And I'm not here to criticize anybody's work. I'm here to go. I like this. I hope you like it. I hope you like what I'm doing in regards to it. And hopefully it will encourage you to play. Yeah, you know? really that simple. Yeah. Right. Getting people to play the games that we love has kind of been our mission statement the whole time. And, yep. you know, there's so many people that are like you in the community that echo that. that we're just like, this is kind of like a dream. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. and, and the truth is like, you know, is, is there every person in this community? I'm going to be like, oh, you're awesome. No. Probably you know, not, there's probably no, but- a thousand people who are like that Nate guy sucks. That's fine. That's totally cool, but I'm not going to make that my platform. You know, I'm not going to make that my central motivation. I'm worried about the games. I want the games to be played. I want to play with you. I want you to play with me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell a vampire story and other stories. Right. Right. (laughs) Tell a lot of stories. And then when we get bored with that, let's play a D and D story. Let's play a, you know, a Cthulhu story. Let's play whatever. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we are nearing the end of our little chat. Um, I'm going to jump into our lightning round, something new we're doing. I'm just going to okay. fire off questions. First answer that comes to mind, even okay. if it's not necessarily the right one. <laughs> just off the cuff, all right. Yeah. Uh, favorite horror movie? Uh, my favorite horror movie is probably Phantasm. Nice, that's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. Uh Guilty pleasure band. Uh, 
guilty pleasure band. Um, I don't know that I have any guilty pleasures because I just, if I like it, I like, like it. Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, I'll, I'll give an example of what I think people would be considering a guilty pleasure. And mine is either <clears throat> men at work or UB 40. Nice. 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 Favorite metal band. I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, that's a hard one. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dark Throne, probably. Or, or maybe Metallica if I'm 15. I don't know. That's, <laughs> it changes. I know. It does change. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick, you have any? Any questions or answers to those? No, it's questions. <laughs> I don't care about your answers. <laughs> <laughs> probably Duran Duran. Um. <laughs> yeah, we knew that. Yeah, we knew that. Oh, geez. Rapid fire questions. I didn't warn a you. favorite favorite non horror tabletop game. Favorite non horror tabletop game. Uh, I mean, probably Shadowrun. Um, cool. yep. It's it's dark, but it's not horror. It's not generally yeah. meant to be Can a horror be, game. Yeah, yeah. Shadowrun, depending on the version. Um, it's one of those games where I've always loved playing it, but. The rules, man. Just the rules. <laughs> Just so many rules. Uh, and dice. And so many yes. fixes. So many dice. Yep. Last one. Uh, favorite video game. Uh, favorite video game. I guess it could be a series too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Um, people are probably going to be like, that's stupid. Uh, my favorite all-time video game is either Skyrim. Oh, it's so good. Or uh, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Or, or Chrono Trigger, yeah. um, or or one of the Grand Theft Auto games because I I stopped playing video games for like ten years mm-hmm. um, and only got back into video games because of Grand Theft Auto three, and then I've kind of made it a point that every time a new Grand Theft Auto game comes out, I buy a new system. So it's kind of like I really love Grand Theft Auto because it's like smart assed and and you yeah. know, offensive and gratuitous and, you know, kind of like rings all of my bells. It's satire. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, probably really it comes down to Skyrim. I've lived entire human lives in that game. Like Same. it's just, it's, it was like a, almost a 10 year old game and it still gets played, uh, you know, semi regularly on my Xbox and I've beaten it on three different systems and it's just, yeah, it's, I joke yeah. about this one all the time. It's I I it really enjoyed Morrowind and Oblivion, and I cannot get into Skyrim. Really? That's the yeah. one I can't play. I don't know. I've just, I, 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 I've started playing it five times. Uh, the, I guess. the Witcher is the other one. Yeah, I know I, I know I would it. like it, but I can't get past the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get into The Witcher Three. Although when Skyrim came out for the Switch, I was like. I'm not buying it because I've already played it and beat it on both my PlayStation and PC mm. for like 600 hours each platform. Yeah. Why am I going to get this? And then someone got me like a holiday gift that was like a game I already had. And I'm like, the only other thing out right now is Skyrim. <laughs> I might as well yeah. trade it in and I can play it portable, I guess. How so, many hours have you put into it? <laughs> let's not talk about that. But I will say I was stuck in Home Depot online for like one time for like 45 minutes. And I was just like, fuck this. I'm going in the car, <laughs> getting my Switch, and I'm playing Skyrim right here, right now, baby. So I, I feel like I kind of know the answer to this uh, this um, Oblivion Skyrim thing. 
Um, I never played an Elder Scrolls game before I played Skyrim. So I was not used to like kind of the oblivion complexity and you know, kind of like the, the, the levels and like the different classes and stuff like that. Like oblivion is certainly more complex in its like systems. Yeah, I, um, maybe. And, and so Speech for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause like in Skyrim, n- nothing matters basically. It's just, it's like, you can be whatever you want at, at all times. Yeah. So yeah. like I started with Skyrim and played it for like a thousand hours. And then I was like, Oh, I love Skyrim. Where's this other game that came up before it? Let me put in oblivion. I'll probably like that too. And I hate it. Yep. And I like, I played it for like 45 minutes max and was like, I, this game sucks. I hate it. And I think that's just what it is. Like people that started with Oblivion and the games before that kind of like, I've heard more people that started there go, I don't like Skyrim. Yeah. I think it's just because they are so different in that regard. You get used to one thing, something else comes along, different level system. You're like, I'm lucky that I played Oblivion first and then went to Skyrim and I enjoyed both and the stories for both are great. But I think if I went backwards now, it would be, it would be very hard. Mm, yeah. um, have either of you played The Elder Scrolls Online? I played yeah. it in the beta, but I didn't play Same. the release. Yeah, I, uh, I had a conniption fit when I heard it was going to come out because for years I was like, oh, Skyrim's great. It'd be better if I could play with my friends. Right. And then <laughs> Elder Scrolls Online came out and I immediately bought it. And, you know, I played the beta. I bought it when it came out and I was like, I don't like this. And yeah. I, I've heard it's improved dramatically since, Same, you know, yeah. but no, nah, I just never went back to it. I, I don't really dig the MMO. Uh, I think it was, I wanted something where I could play with my friends. And then when it actually came down to it, I was like, oh no, I really enjoy just playing Skyrim myself. by myself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like spending hours doing monotonous, dumb things in this game. So. I will say they had a beginner story that was super creepy that I really loved. And like, I paid money for the game. I played it. I probably didn't get as much fun or use out of it as I could have, but the story alone, I was just like, all right, I got my money's worth. There's like this quest, you find this guy, he's like trapped in crystal and he's like a wood elf or something. And he's like, there's something in that cave. I'll give you whatever, you know, free me. And I know this treasure, typical hook, right? And he's like, be careful for the shiny stones because they'll kill you. And you're like, oh, okay, dude. You walk in there, and the more clues you find, you're like, there's like people that are like half turned into animals. Like some of them are half eaten. Like what the f- what the hell? And like the more you find out about it, and he's like kind of calling out to you, and it's like echoing <laughs> through the the thing is, and he's like nuts, and he's like, you'd make a great squirrel. And you're like, oh, what thanks. The fuck. And then he's, and you find out that the shiny stones are his teeth, and he turned his friends into animals and ate them. Oh, and then this thing trapped him in crystal and he's insane. So if you actually free him, you're pretty much effed because you're a low level nobody and he kills you and cannibalizes you. Right. Like, this is demented, <laughs> twisted, and I, I kind of love it. <laughs> I, I can I can enjoy that sort of story. Yeah. I will say, uh, before we wrap, the, mm-hmm. the big thing that I think stopped me from playing Skyrim was decision fatigue because once you finish that like intro and you you escape you're on the road it's like where the fuck do i go now and you can go anywhere that's the beauty of it right but i'm like give me give me no just point me in a direction at least yeah (laughs) that that was that was my issue with it i think awesome well uh, thank you so much for joining us 
Indeed. It was a pleasure, oh, pleasure getting a chance to uh, for you and I to meet. Actually, yeah, uh, yeah, I know you've had a chance to talk with Mark and Rick before, but um, where can people find you online? Where can people listen to Two D Ten? Uh, 2d10 is available. I think where all podcasts are available, iTunes, Stitcher, that sort of thing. Uh, otherwise everything that I do is available at my website, which is utilitymuffinlabs.com. Uh, you know, obviously all one word, um, that's utility and muffin and labs. Um, yeah, so all my podcasts are there. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, um, the 2D10 YouTube channel. I don't know the address off the top of my head, um, but you can just look up 2D10. Uh, I have a couple of videos, um, some podcasts, some fully produced stuff. Um, and then I'm 2D10 on all the social medias, the uh, yep. Twitter and Instagram and all that. Um, but yeah, if you want to get to anything, just go to my website, utilitymuffinlabs.com and find your entire network of podcasts yep awesome yep awesome uh do you have anything exciting or cool coming up in the immediate future uh that you want to tease yeah kill yourself so um my podcast with uh gehenna gaming should be coming out in a week or two um i have a bunch in you know kind of like in the uh you know in the queue here so be on the lookout for that and um, I recently produced a three-part series of videos. Only one of them is out and it's, um, my investigation into the history of the world of darkness, not nice. the meta plot, but the actual like print history of the world of darkness. That's cool. There's going to be three videos out. First one came out on Saturday. Yep. This one will be out next Saturday. Um, so I put podcasts out every Friday. I put videos out every Saturday. And if I do a podcast that I record on video, I just put that out when the podcast comes out. So it's like a little extra on YouTube. Um, I hope COVID shuts the hell up real soon so we can get back to living real life. And uh, yeah, other than that, just please go watch and listen to my things. Thank awesome. You. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, um, I appreciate you having me. One hundred percent. Absolutely, and hopefully, in you know the next few months, we'll be able to meet in person. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we were we were gonna do the cool thing at Gen Con. I know. Till asshole twenty twenty was like, go screw yourself. Yep. You know, like as much as I wanted to go to the night in question, really bad, especially after hearing your experiences and some of the experiences of my other friends. As soon as we were like. Oh yeah, we want to kind of get together with people. Well, let's do an after party after Gen Con, and then more and more of like the community <laughs> kind of jumped in on it. I was like, "Holy shit, I'm super excited for this!" Possibly more than that blockbuster LARP event. Yeah. And then it was like, <laughs> "Everyone's sick. It's the plague." And I'm like, "Fuck." Well, yep. Let me give you yep. some advice about Austin, Texas. Go for the barbecue. Stay for the LARP. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, that's not what I do anyway. If you go for the two days and you don't even go to the LARP, just like make sure you go to some of the barbecue places there. Um, yeah. That good, huh? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. There's, there's a place that we went to. We didn't get to go to like the big famous barbecue place because uh, it's crazy to get into, but there is a place called Valentina's and it's like a little shack on the side of the road. That's the best one. And it's yeah. freaking ridiculously good. Nice. That's nice. awesome. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. 
You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming, twitch.tv slash GehennaGaming, and patreon.com slash GehennaGaming.